this topic is yet another that'll probably get me in trouble. Caliber choice is something that people tend to overthink and put too much emphasis on, and those people don't like being told not to do those things. Now I'm fine with shooters that have developed caliber preferences over time, but if you're just starting out or looking for scientific reasons to go with a particular caliber, hear me out on this. Choosing a caliber for your next gun is silly, and I'm going to explain why. So there's a stereotype about gun owners that has probably never been true and certainly isn't today, but it is a prevalent stereotype nonetheless. A lot of non-gun people think that gun people are illiterate rednecks that didn't finish school and don't know anything outside of what goes into whatever crop they farm. Now, people that honestly think that's how gun owners are would probably be pretty surprised the first time they are introduced to the caliber war. When arguing for or against a particular ammunition type, these supposed hillbillies suddenly turn into physicists and mechanical engineers, graphing out velocity measurements and muzzle energy for different rounds and different firearm platforms. It gets really mathematical, but not always in a great way. I'm glad that people concerned about defensive gun use are concerned about the effectiveness of their ammo. Of course, that's important. We don't want everyone to load up on 22 revolvers just because they're cheap and hope that that's good enough if or when the time comes to use a gun in a defensive scenario. Now, I'm not volunteering to stand in front of any kind of bullet, but I'm not betting on a 22 LR to protect myself or my household either. It's good that this discussion takes place, but I feel the discussion can be taken beyond practical limits pretty often. So I thought I'd use this week's time to take all the fun out of it and tell you what all of your guns should be chambered in. And then I'll remind you at the end why you shouldn't be shopping for a particular caliber in the first place. So first off, blanket statement number one, all pistols should be nine millimeter. And I will explain. When reading about caliber debates, you'll often hear about stopping power which is based on the idea that a certain amount of velocity or energy transfer means that one round will hit an organic target harder than another, and thus be more likely to drop that target. A common rebuttal is that stopping power is a myth, that it doesn't matter how hard you hit the target if you aren't hitting a vital organ or the central nervous system, since that's what it really takes to stop a threat. Opponents to stopping power will place priority on shot placement, and therefore advocate for calibers that you can shoot faster, and more accurately, especially when those calibers will give you a larger magazine capacity. This is especially common when discussing defensive pistol calibers, with a lot of proponents of the three most common calibers out there today, you know, the 9x19, 40 Smith & Wesson, and 45 ACP. Those are all duking it out in forums and on YouTube. The truth, as always, lies somewhere in the middle. Put simply, there is a baseline of velocity and energy needed to reliably stop a threat, but increasing velocity and energy beyond that baseline does little to help, and it certainly doesn't replace the need for shots to land in vital regions. Now, I did not look up what the common consensus is on that baseline of velocity and energy. I don't have a number on hand, and I'm not going to share it because I don't really want you to be looking at those numbers. Instead, um, we're going to look at other things like uh, in 2014, the FBI put out a report detailing the potential combat effectiveness of the 9mm cartridge when compared to other calibers such as 45 ACP and the very same 40 Smith & Wesson cartridge that was specifically developed for use by the FBI. The report concluded that the new powders and more advanced hollow point bullet designs that had come out in recent years and were used in current 9mm defensive loads allowed for the caliber to deliver almost similar performance to other calibers, exceeding what anyone would consider the necessary baseline in effect on target. So it could have been argued at some point in the past that 9x19mm rounds did not meet the necessary baseline for effect on a threat. 
I personally doubt that, but it could be possible. Today, it's no longer an issue, as there are so many affordable defensive rounds that are available in 9x19 that meet and exceed those necessary minimums. And then, of course, you have the other advantages of 9x19 coming with it, such as the low cost of practice ammo, the low recoil and minimal parts wear, and the opportunity to fit more rounds in a magazine compared to a larger caliber firearm of a similar size. If shot placement is what we need to stop a threat, capacity is how we can make that happen since we have more chances to place the shots correctly. So if all else is equal, we definitely want to choose the caliber that allows us to fit more rounds in the magazine. In this case, 9x19mm, really safe bet there. But what if you're in a state or country where magazine capacity is limited, so you don't get the benefits of fitting more of a slightly smaller round in the same size firearm? In that case, I would still opt for the 9mm simply because follow-up shots will be easier and parts wear on the firearm itself will be minimized as you train with it. Those two benefits go hand in hand. 9mm won't be knocking your slide, barrel, and springs around in your hand as much as larger or higher pressure rounds would. So you're back on target faster, and those rapidly moving parts are getting beat up noticeably less over time. Blanket statement number two. All carbines should be 5.56. And I will explain. A lot of what we just covered with pistol calibers, such as shot placement being key and the baseline concept of effect on a threat, those all still apply when we branch out from pistols to other fighting firearms. When we step it up to something like a carbine, we still need to hit the bad guy where it hurts, and we should aim, no pun intended, to have as many shots available as possible to make that happen. As you're all well aware by now, I'm a staunch advocate of an AR-style carbine as the best home defense or property defense gun available in the U.S. today. ARs are great for home defense. They're lightweight, easy to use, easy to mount a bright white light and a simple electronic optic on, easy to sling up. What more could you want? Now, part of that advocacy is based on the effectiveness of the standard 5.56 NATO caliber as a home defense round. But ARs and similar carbine platforms are available in a lot of other calibers other than the tried and true 5.56. I mean, if we're just looking at AR-15 carbines alone, you've got stuff like 7.62 by 39, you know, the old AK round, 300 Blackout, 6.5 Grendel, 6.8 SPC, 224 Valkyrie, 350 Legend, 458 SOCOM, and some others that I'm forgetting right now. All of these chambering options were introduced to the market after the 556 chambered AR-15, and all for their own reasons. You know, the 762 by 39 used to be cheaper to shoot, the 300 Blackout is great for subsonic suppressed shooting, and the others are mainly aimed for certain ballistic advantages or hunting applications. Even with the advent of all these caliber options, the best home defense caliber, and in fact the best general purpose carbine caliber, for an AR-15 or a similar carbine is still the 5.56 NATO. Any modern 5.56 carbine can shoot 223 Remington ammo just fine, and 223 is readily available and affordable to ensure that you'll always have cheap 55 grain ammo to practice with. When it comes time to pick a hunting round or a marksman round, you know, something with a bit more punch and a bit more carry, heavier grain open tip match 5.56 like the 77 grain Sierra Match King rounds, can turn your little carbine into a sub MOA precision gun or a reliable medium game, medium range stopper. Yes, outraged Americans on Twitter, you can use an AR 15 to hunt. Now, those other calibers exist for specific purposes, as I touched on. If you're building a carbine or an upper for a specific purpose, you likely already know which round is best suited for that. It might be the 5.56, or in some cases, it might not be. But to circle around to the point of this episode, 
building a 6.5 Grendel upper because you want a 1,000 yard AR isn't the same as building something in 6.5 because it's theoretically capable of going to 1,000 yards. Do you get what I mean? You already know what you're building the gun for, so you should automatically know which caliber you need before you start buying. If you don't know what you're building for, just go with the baseline standard. In this case, carbines, that's the 5.56. Blanket statement number three. All rifles should be 308 Winchester or 6.5 Grendel. And I will explain. Man, this episode is going to start getting really repetitive if I'm not careful. We fit pistols and carbines in much the same way, though the emphasis on those was on defensive or combat utility. That doesn't apply to every gun and every gun owner's safe. A lot of us are looking for a sporting gun that can reach out a little further and or, you know, and slash or hit a little harder. A carbine chambered in 5.56 can reach out to four or 500 yards, but beyond that, that tiny little round is easily tossed around by crosswinds. This is where longer and heavier actioned rifles come into play. A heavier, full-powered round can reach out to 1,000 yards and then some with practice, but you're usually dealing with a longer barrel, bigger action, and a less mobile and versatile platform. So there is a distinction between carbines and rifles, and right now we're just talking about the intermediate or full-power rifles. And while I haven't done the full research on this, I would guess that there are more intermediate and full-powered rifle calibers available today than for pistols and carbines combined. This is a big market with a lot of options. It's easy to forget the core needs of your application while diving into all of the math and technology that sets these different caliber choices apart. You can probably guess where I'm going with this based on how I approach pistol and carbine calibers. There are things that matter a lot when it comes to which caliber a firearm is chambered in. And there are things that sometimes matter, but don't matter as much. Things that really matter include cost per round, recoil affecting follow-up shots, capacity potential, general availability, are you going to be able to reliably buy this ammo, and whether the minimum baseline effect on target is being met. Based on my admittedly limited experience in hunting and long-range shooting, I'm working on it, but it is limited right now, it seems that most rifles are expected to be effective out to about a thousand yards. We'll call that the required effective range. But most shots in the field are about, you know, somewhere between 150 and 400 yards. You want to be able to go out to a thousand yards if the opportunity presents itself, or perhaps if that shot becomes necessary. But you mainly want a round that is consistent and predictable in that more typical middle range. And I feel that when you look at it this way and emphasize a need for ammo to be available and affordable, the rifle caliber choice becomes very clear. Just get a 308 Winchester. 308s have been around forever and are effective out to slightly past 1,000 yards while remaining very consistent and predictable in the 100 to 500 yard range. It's a hard hitting, versatile round that is stocked in stores all over the country and won't break the bank. You won't be limited in firearm selection either. 308 chamberings are an option, if not a default, for pretty much every popular rifle platform since the 50s. If you don't want to opt for a firearm or action as large as the 308 is typically found in, you can still reach out to 1,000 yards with a smaller option. The 6.5 Grendel is a modern chambering intended for AR-15s, but available in other platforms as well. The round is noticeably smaller and lighter than the 308, so it can be tossed around a bit more by heavy winds, but otherwise the two calibers are usually ballistically similar. What I feel is nice about the Grendel is that you can squeeze it into something like a short-barreled carbine and still reach out further than you can with a typical 5.56. Now, I've talked before about only having one rifle, as I personally do, 
But sometimes I think about something like a 12.5-inch Grendel build. You know, a portable marksman tool. Pretty neat. Anyway, I'm sure you've cut on by now why I titled this episode, Don't Choose a Caliber. I'm not throwing out the importance of caliber choice, but I feel that it's approached the wrong way. If you ask pro shooters, instructors, special forces team guys, etc., what gun you should buy, they'll probably ask what it's for. You know, if you're buying a gun, what are you buying that gun for? It's a critical question as the mission, you know, air quotes there, the mission dictates the gear. Just because we don't want to take a Glock 19 to a precision rifle competition doesn't mean the Glock 19 isn't an exceptional pistol. It's not even a judgment on the 9x19mm round the Glock is chambered in. It's just not the right tool for the job. If you think critically about what you intend to use a gun for, and then look at what is commonly used and widely available for guns intended for that purpose, then the caliber choice shouldn't be much of a choice at all. I mentioned pro shooters, instructors, and team guys before, and by and large, they tend not to use very exotic guns and exotic calibers. You know, in those groups, there are a lot of Glock 19s or 17s and 9mm, a lot of 5.56 carbines, and a lot of longer guns in 308. Those calibers work. They've been around forever, and they're cheap to buy and continue buying. What's not to like? Thanks for coming to my TED Talk, and thanks as always for tuning in. If you like what we're doing here, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave Range Talk a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. If you want to start a caliber war with us, you can fire your first shots on Twitter using the hashtag Range Talk. If not, stay safe. We'll talk again soon.